Welcome to the Mom Life Weight Loss Podcast. This podcast is all about ditching diet culture and helping you to end the overwhelm of the weight loss industry. I'm Laura, a registered dietitian and mom. I'm super passionate about coaching moms to successfully lose weight by helping them keep it simple. I'll be sharing tips, nutrition information, and actionable strategies. Plus, I'll be your coach to keep you motivated so you can lose weight, keep it off, and be your best you. All right, let's get started. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Mom Life Weight Loss. It's the final part in my three-part series on weight loss myths. Each episode, I've busted five different weight loss myths. In today's episode, I'm covering diet drinks are better for you, cheat days are okay, you can't eat after 7 p.m., fat makes you fat, and if food tastes good, it's not good for you. Stick around until the end. My tip this week is some tough love. All right, let's get started. If you've ever felt slightly overwhelmed by nutrition information on the internet, everyone's air quote expert opinions, and where you should start, you are not alone. Weight loss myths can make trying to lose weight hecka confusing. I'm going to bust five more myths this episode so that we're clearing up the confusion and getting a better handle on what we should be doing and how we should be doing it. Let's get started with our first myth. Diet drinks are better for you. If you've listened to my podcast before, you know that I've said that the goal is to not drink your calories. And regular pop is a good example of what I would consider empty calories, which is basically meaning that the calories that you are consuming are not providing you with any nutritional value. However, switching from regular pop to diet pop isn't necessarily the best choice either. And just as an aside, I don't hate sweeteners. I actually, you know, personally, I can consume things that have sweeteners in them. I have suggested to clients that choosing items with sweetener in them are an okay choice because they do and can serve a purpose in your weight loss journey. However, the idea cannot just be that you're going to go from ordering a burger and fries and your regular soda or pop to a burger and fries and diet pop because that is not doing you any favors. And of course, you can drink diet pop. That's not what I'm saying either. I love diet pop and I personally drink it. I have no issue with people drinking it. However, it's how you use it and how often and how it fits into your dietary patterns. There are some studies that show that when you drink or consume sweeteners, that your brain still thinks that you have eaten regular sugar and then there's no physiological response to you eating that. And so your brain gets confused and continues to cue you that you are craving something sweet. The other thing that can happen that has been shown by research is that your brain thinks that you ate something sweet so that it cues your pancreas to release insulin as though you've consumed sugar, but then there's actually no sugar there for the insulin and it just has nothing to do. And we really don't want our pancreas just releasing insulin 
when there's no purpose for it because it can kind of like poop out your pancreas and overworks it essentially when it doesn't need to be. It's just something to keep in mind. I don't want it to be a direct, you know, oh, I can drink as much diet pop as I want because there's no calories in it. If you're trying to kick a regular pop habit, Swapping to diet pop can be a good stand-in, but the ultimate goal should be that you're eventually weaning all drinks like that out of your day-to-day habits. Ever so often drinking diet pop, that's okay. If you are unsure about what do I mean by ever so often, obviously this is different for everyone. You can always shoot me a message and say like, hey, this is how often I drink it. What do I think? What do you think? And we can have a little conversation about it. But I don't want it to be that diet drinks are just automatically the best choice for you. Our next myth is cheat days. You see a lot about cheat days and how having cheat days is a good strategy so that you don't feel deprived. I just don't even like the title, right? It's so like diet culture-y. It just continues to perpetuate the concept of being on a diet and the good foods and the bad foods and how, you know, if you're cheating and you're having a cheat day, it means that you're doing something bad and you're cheating on what you're doing on all the other days. I just really want to ditch this whole like commentary on cheat days and get rid of it entirely. All foods fit. There's no good foods. There's no bad foods. And there's no such thing on cheating on what you're doing for your food choices. And you shouldn't have to feel like you're cheating in order to enjoy food. So the concept of being super strict all week and then having this cheat day can really actually stall your weight loss goals or even plateau you to an extent because it really can, depending on how much you're cheating, and I'm air quoting that of course, it can even out all your hard work and just keep you stuck on a plateau. I would much prefer, and this is how I counsel and coach all my clients that you are enjoying a cookie, a piece of cake, a glass of wine interspersed throughout your week than having one single whole day that is devoted to you gorging yourself on whatever you can consume in that one day. So we're saying no to the concept of cheat days. It creates labels. It creates a bad relationship with food. The goal is, is that we're going to work in foods that we enjoy to our dietary pattern, and it is going to be a choice that we make, not that we are cheating on our diet. The last thing that I'll say about cheat days is really like I could go on about this whole concept and our relationship food probably could be like a whole separate episode. The most important thing to remember is that we really want to take not have food have the power over us. We want to be in control of the food choices that we're making. And the concept of a cheat day is essentially taking that power away from us because it's only allowing us that one day, that one opportunity, rather than feeling like, you know, if on Monday you want to have an ice cream cone and on Friday you want to have a glass of wine, you can do that rather than feeling like you have to be deprived because your cheat day is on Sunday. So I really want clients and you to feel that you are in control and confident in what you're doing. And the cheat day concept really is very perpetuated by diet culture and continues that good food, bad food that I really am not a fan of. And all foods fit, all foods can be included into your day-to-day life and on your health journey and your weight loss journey. Okay, I'll stop my rant about that and we'll continue on to our next myth. (laughs) Okay, our next myth is you can't eat after 7 p.m. So again, this is just another rule that has been perpetuated by diet culture. There is nothing wrong with eating at night. Eating 
all your calories at night. Okay, that isn't we're probably going to be a good strategy. But like, I don't even know where 7pm came from. Like, why 7pm? There is a benefit to eating more earlier in your day and, you know, front loading your day and not saving all of your calories and tacking them on at the end of the day. But that's like more related to like your circadian rhythm and what you're doing during the day rather than a time on the clock. Of course, you can still eat an evening snack and include that if that is what works for your schedule and your eating habits and your routine. What is most important is actually making sure that you have a fasting window from when you've last eaten to when you're waking the next day. And that is not dictated by 7 p.m. That is dictated by you and your schedule and your day-to-day life. No more stopping eating at 7 p.m. It's super random. I don't like it. And I just want this rule to disappear into oblivion and you to feel that you can eat past 7 p.m., eat a snack, eat dinner, and let's make it work with when you stop eating and when you start eating and what works for you as an individual. The next myth is fat makes you fat. (laughs) Avoiding fat does not lead to weight loss. I would say my mom grew up in the diet culture of, you know, low fat dieting. And it's still hard for people who lived through that to wrap their heads around how they can eat fat and not get fat. The opposite is actually true that avoiding fat can actually lead to weight gain. A lot of foods that are touted as low in fat are actually higher in things like refined grains and sugars because they're trying to replace that flavor and their texture with other items that aren't actually good for your body to ingest in large quantities either. And it's important to know that fat is filling and it gives you, you know, a nice what we call mouthfeel and it provides texture and it increases satiety in meals. So it's important to remember that we do want to include fat because it can have lots of benefits. Not all fat is created equally. So reducing saturated and avoiding trans fat, that is something that we want to work on, including healthy fats. So things like, you know, avocados and fats from nuts and extra virgin olive oil, all those different types of healthy fats. It is good for fullness. They can help lower inflammation in your body. So there's lots of benefits to consuming fat. It's important to just know that we don't want to avoid fat. We want to include it in a healthy balance with our other macronutrients. And we want to be reducing what we consider saturated fats, avoiding trans fats, and eating lots of healthy fats. Let's end our fear of fat and eat it with our meals and have yummy, delicious, healthy food. My last myth for this episode is if food tastes good, it is not good for you. If you think that healthy foods taste bland and that highly processed, sugary, and fatty foods taste good, then your taste buds might need a little bit of a tune-up. This is going to sound a little bit bad, but if you think that healthy food tastes bad, it's probably because you don't know how to prepare it. (laughs) 
I am no cook. I do not purport myself to be a good cook or anything like that. So do not at me that you need to be a gourmet chef in order to make healthy food taste good. What happens is that sugars and sweeteners like we talked about before and man-made fats can really hijack your taste buds. And the more you eat these foods, the more you want to you crave these foods and the more that it makes other naturally flavored foods not taste the same to you. So the key is that you need to start reducing these highly sugary man-made fat types of foods like processed foods and increasing whole foods. And what happens over time is that your taste buds adjust. I hear it a lot from clients when they start reducing their intake of sugary types of foods, they actually start to crave them less and less and less. Learning how to get simple, natural flavors from foods will go a long, long way in aiding your weight loss journey. It takes time, but it is doable and you can learn how to cook healthy food and it doesn't need to be complicated. You don't need to be whipping up hour-long meals. I'm all about simple. You do not need to be a gourmet chef in order to make healthy food taste good. Healthy food can taste good. And of course, we can still include those yummy sugary foods too. It's just how much and how often are we doing it. That brings me into my tip of the episode. This week's tip is the hard truth. If you've been living by food rules, Or if you have been following one of these myths that I've mentioned in today's episode, it's time that you ditch it. No more rules. If you've listened to my previous weight loss myth episodes, you've already become a savvy researcher in terms of what information is important and valid. And you know that weight is lost in the kitchen and health is gained in the gym. Whatever you're going to do to lose the weight is what you are going to have to do to keep it off. No more food rules. We're stopping those right now. If you have done any one of these myths, are doing one of these myths, ditch it and we're going to start fresh and you're going to follow along and I'm going to help you create new strategies that you are going to do today, next month, and in a year from now. I absolutely loved doing this three-part series, and I hope that you enjoyed listening to it, and I really hope that you learned something new, and if you were doing one of these things, I hope that I have encouraged you to stop doing it and helped you to see what you can be doing different instead. In this final episode of the series, I kicked these five myths to the curb. Diet drinks are better for you. Cheat days are okay. You can't eat after 7 p.m., fat makes you fat, and if food tastes good, it's not good for you. Do you have a myth that I maybe didn't cover? Please share it with me, and I'll be sure to debunk it for you. Message me on Instagram at lauraveweightlosscoach. Or if you have a question and you're not sure if it's a myth, I do a live Q&A every month in my free Facebook group. Make sure you join us and you can submit your question for the next one. It's always at the end of the month. I'll include the link to the group in my show notes so that you can head on over and join us so that you don't miss our next Q&A if you have a burning nutrition question. Thanks for listening. 
You can find a summary of the show and all the links I mentioned in my show notes, which you can find at lauravermander.com slash podcast. If you're looking for a little bit more community, make sure you join my free Facebook group, Moms Supporting Moms with Weight Loss. The link is in my show notes. Finally, if you like this episode, make sure you follow the show and I'd love if you take a minute to leave a review or share with a friend. All right, excited to chat again next week. Bye for now.